Hello to all our wedding planning couples. I'm Tara and welcome to the Complete Wedding Planning Podcast. I'm excited to share my creativity and 14 years experience as a professional wedding planner and decorator. And I'm Josh and we're so happy you're joining us for some solid down to earth wedding planning advice that I've accumulated over my 18 years in the industry. We believe that weddings are supposed to be fun and fulfilling, not full of stress and conflict. We are presented by Complete Weddings and Events, your leading provider of photo, video, DJ, photo booth, lighting and coordination services. Visit us at completewedo.com for more information. The Knot is a great place to follow trends. Earlier this year, they put out an article recapping survey results from real couples. We found one section interesting, and we're going to discuss that today. That particular trend is personalization, and we've definitely covered this topic before. A couple episodes that I'll note are 40, where we talk about the core, and 47, where we talk about music. Um, So we've definitely uh, talked personalization. Um, But what really jumped out about this one was they had a a section where they talk about the top six ways that couples personalize their wedding. And this uh, survey was taken in uh, late 2022. And so it's kind of being presented as a as a trend for 2023. So the season that we're getting into right now. Um, But here are the top six that jumped out. So it was honoring family members that couldn't be there for the wedding. Uh, wearing an item that has special meaning to the family. Uh, unique musical choices was number three. Number four, incorporated a wedding theme. Number five, incorporated eco-friendly or sustainable options in the wedding. And number six is incorporated locally sourced um, products. And so that definitely jumped out because uh, trends are something that we definitely follow. Um, and personalization, I think, is a pretty reoccurring theme. So um Tara, thanks for for finding that, first of all. And I think the first thing that I want to just talk to you about is um, let's just talk personalization as a whole. What do you what do you think are the pros and cons of leaning really hard into personalizing the wedding as opposed to let's just call it what it is being a little more cookie cutter with the approach? Yeah, so obviously in this day and age, it is very digital and the Pinterest wedding, the Instagram wedding, you know, everybody is in a sense trying to one up the neighbor um, and make sure that their wedding is maybe more unique, more fabulous, whatever word choice you want to put there. Um, But it does lead to there are so many options out there and you do see a reoccurring trends in the wedding industry. Um, often in my world is the decor is the same at multiple weddings. Um, And so couples are trying to think outside the box because I think they want to, in a sense, showcase their wedding on those platforms after the big day and show what they did differently. And so that that has definitely led to more people trying not to be so cookie cutter where I remember back in the day, like when I first started as a wedding planner, like the red, white, wedding day was like everybody had red and white and pink and that was just the colors because they were just associated with love and stuff like that and then people started to quickly get into the other color schemes and even you know 10 years ago the it was bright colors and now we are into the muted tones and so you're still going to see those trends but it's how can you take what that current trend is and make it a little bit different so that again your wedding isn't going to come off just like Sally Sue down the road. 
Yep, exactly. I would definitely uh, echo the pros are to uh, show individuality and the more time that goes and the more time that everybody spends on social media, individuality and uh, personal identity are definitely important things. And if you're going to spend the amount of money and time and just other general resources and putting a wedding together, uh, you might as well spend time thinking about those and your your personal sensibilities. Um, the specific con that I'll uh, throw out, you alluded to this a little bit, um, you can uh, definitely uh, devilishly detail yourself into really a second uh, job. You know, you can spend as much time on figuring this out as you want to. And it's uh, very easy to get very far down a rabbit hole where um, you're just, you know, stuck in this uh, world where it's impossible to make a decision because you put so many things on the table. Um, the other thing, the more uh, time that you put in the personalization, you're going to come up with things that you decide you need. And this can get expensive and get out of control from a cost standpoint pretty quickly. So um, don't necessarily say those as cons to say, uh, don't do this, but um, know what you're kind of getting yourself into <laughs> when you start walking down this path. Um, anything else that you would add before we jump into the individual ones? Yeah, no, I, I agree with you on all of that. Um, and it is, there are definitely couples that walk in here like, I want this, this, and this, because I saw it at this, this, and this wedding, and we're going to move forward. Obviously, that's an easier decision. So like you said, when the more personalization, the more time and potentially more money. Um, so do with that as, as you will, as far as being a pro or a con. Yeah, there you go. Okay, so the first one that we mentioned, honoring family that couldn't be there for the wedding. Now, here's what I think is really interesting, and this speaks, I, I think, really high level on the personalization and not being the same. Um, of almost 12,000 couples uh, surveyed, this came in as 57% of the way that people did um, did did the personalization. So that's not a, a landslide. Unless you're talking about like a U.S. presidential election, then yes, yeah, <laughs> it's a landslide. But outside of that, I mean, that doesn't seem like uh, that much of a majority. Um, so, so I think that's just something that I thought was interesting. And then um, the last one, the locally sourced products, was 25%. Um, so we're not talking about these mega trends. We're talking about um, things that are statistically, you know, trends. But so let's talk about honoring family that couldn't be there for the wedding. Um, so what are your pros, cons, if there's anything um, in, in that vein? And then also, what are some things that you've seen that you thought were put together really well and that are, for lack of better terminology, easy to uh, do for, uh, for a couple? Yeah. So when it comes to honoring those members, I think it's, you know, a fine line. Are you honoring those that just couldn't make it because, you know, I've had a lot in our neck of the woods, a lot of military um, that couldn't make it. We've even had people that, you know, had illnesses and couldn't make it. And then we have those that have passed on before the wedding day um, and honoring them. And so what we see most often is the in loving memory tables where they set aside a table at ceremony and or reception. Uh, where they're honoring those um, that have passed. And those are often you see as the immediate family, the parents, grandparents, um, even some, you know, aunts, uncles, godparents, even pets I've seen at the, the memory table. Um, and so that is typically set up with pictures and, you know, candles and whatnot. The things that I would note on that um, is making sure you have the space for it um, and that you 
talk to both sides of the family. I have sometimes ran into where throughout the planning process, I'm talking to a lot of times the bride and her family, and they have this planned out. And then come the wedding day, when we're actually setting up, I get this like huge tote from the groom's family and saying, hey, they just told me about this last night. I don't know what pictures you want to use, but here you go. Um, and so definitely have a plan uh, for, you know, what you want to do there and talk to both sides of the family to make sure that those people um, are represented. I have seen that this sometimes has caused, you know, obviously extra emotion that day. And so, you know, if some of those deaths are fairly new in the family, I would encourage you to ask, like, do you feel comfortable having this on display? Um, and just making sure you think through that process. The same thing, like I've seen family drama show up that, hey, you put so-and-so on the table, but not so-and-so. And so again, like just have clear clear communication with everybody involved on, on what that's going to look like. Um, other things that I have seen people do when it is loved ones that have um, passed before them, um, it has been, you know, like a seat saved at the ceremony with maybe a bouquet or grandpa's cowboy hat. Um, I've seen them do at the reception the same thing where they've had a place setting um, at the family table. <clears throat> I even had one where the um, one of the groomsmen passed away, um, unfortunately, in a car accident before the wedding. And so they they kept his seat at the um, bridal party table um, and, you know, kind of had it dressed up for them. And so there's there's different ways where you can honor those um, that have passed away um, in in doing that. Um, I have also seen where those that haven't necessarily passed away but couldn't make it, um, again, most of it has been due to military and they've, you know, been part of the bridal party. And so they've submitted, you know, kind of a cameo and done, you know, a virtual toast um, of sorts, or even they've had a cardboard cutout of those people that couldn't make it so that they could, in a sense, show up in pictures. Um, and those are fun and quirky. Um, if you're going to do the slideshow thing, make sure your venue has the appropriate audio visual to actually execute that. I've seen videos and then they don't have sound to them. Um, and so, you know, we've got to make sure we get the sound bite over to your DJ um, if it's not going to be played through the video and through the sound system that your venue has. Um, and so keep an eye on stuff like that. Um, and so those would be two as far as like the people um, that I see the most. And then I have a few other ideas. But um, do you have anything to add on those two? Yeah, and no, I was uh, mainly just going to say, uh, I, I'd echo that I've seen a lot of the same things. The only other um, angle that I would throw in there is uh, here most recently, COVID kept some people away for various reasons. It could be that they actually had COVID. It could be that it was just a bigger group. Um, so there there were uh, things of that nature, but um, definitely seen the military thing. I've definitely seen uh, just people that happen to live in another country and it was too difficult to make it over. There could be visa issues. Uh, but the, uh, the one thing that I would add in addition to um, all of those things, when you're talking about the uh, people that are alive that just couldn't make it, I honestly think the best way to uh, honor those people is to figure out a way to make it so they can be part of things. Um, doing a, a live stream is not the most difficult thing in the world so like any other ven vendor when you're talking about a, a wedding you can pay whatever you want to for that so i mean professional live streaming you are going to pay money for that i mean expect to pay probably upwards of a thousand fifteen hundred two thousand dollars uh, but that can be a really nice uh well produced um you know thing where you can actually watch a youtube link but 
for all rights and purposes, I mean, everybody has a Zoom account at this point. You can have a free one. And it's uh, really not that difficult to uh, stop by Walmart or Target and just pay 30 to $50 for a tripod and then just have somebody designated to uh, keep it going on a mobile device. And I mean, you're going to get a, a decent recording of that. And, you know, it's a pretty easy uh, thing to do from that standpoint. So um, include the uh, relatives that couldn't make it and, and just yeah. make it so they can see what's happening. Yeah. And that, you know, and I would echo that, you know, if you want to give them the experience after the fact, that's why we're so high on having video at your wedding to where they can relive the moments with you too. Um, one other thing that I've seen, um, and again, this isn't necessarily depending on how you categorize family, but I've had a decent amount and it seems like the last two years, a decent amount of my clients that have wanted to include their pets at their wedding, but they could not in a sense bring them due to their venue restrictions. And so I think this past year I had three different couples that they named their signature drinks after their pets and they had fun little quirky, you know, pictures of their pets. I had other ones that, that printed out huge cardboard cutouts of their pets um, to have them there. Um, this one I have coming up this weekend, instead of a bouquet toss, they're doing a cat toss because she is, she loves her cats, but her cat couldn't come from Colorado um, to be at her wedding. And so she's doing a cat toss to encourage whoever catches that stuffed animal cat to donate to, um, you know, a cat adoption or to adopt a cat themselves. And so um, there are quirky ways that you can also honor um, family and pets um, at the wedding. Um, and obviously um, the, you know, probably result you do on Google is going to be endless um, for things that you can do for that. Yeah, actually, that's really interesting. One of my weddings this weekend, I have a, I have a few. Uh, one of my weddings this weekend is doing a dog squishy toss instead of a bouquet toss. And so that's, uh, you know, give this to your your furry friend. Um, quick note, episode 11, if you're uh, not honoring pets that aren't there and honoring ones that are there, we did a full episode about um, things to think about if you can bring a, a pet to your venue um, and, uh, you know, so forth. So anything else about uh, honoring a family that isn't there? And, you know, keep in mind, friends are the family you pick. So uh, I think the <laughs> friends definitely count. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. No, I think we covered it. Cool. Okay. So then 55% um, wore an item that has special meaning to the family. I, I think we're definitely opening up a Pandora's box of uh, things you could be talking about. So what, what's your reaction to, to that trend? Yeah, and I would say that this one and the first one kind of go hand in hand often, um, where I see that that is also how they want to honor those um, loved ones that have passed on um, by, you know, a charm on the bride's bouquet from the grandma, um, maybe a hanky that represented the, the grandma or grandpa. Um, and then you often see like stuff to do with like mom's wedding dress or grandma's wedding dress. And so they incorporate a piece of fabric sewn into the bride's dress, or I often see the lace from someone's dress added in as the bouquet wrap. Um, and so we see that quite often. Um, there is definitely, you know, myself, when I um, got married, I had my grandma's pearls that I wore. I had a bracelet from my mom. And then I had a, a ring that I wore on my right hand that belonged to my mother-in-law. Um, and so there was other things, you know, that I was trying to incorporate those that were still living as well as those that have passed on um, within what I was wearing. Um, 
on the guy side of things, I would say we don't see it as often um, as the bride, but I do see I've had some that have sewn little sayings into the tie. Um, I often see the dad has sayings from um, the the daughter um, on his tie, but even the groom himself has, you know, had things from, you know, potentially his family members sewn in to his suit in some sort. I've even had a groom that had um, his pet as, you know, face on his socks. Um, I've also had even um, like, I think it was a grandpa or a dad's face that was on some socks. And so um, the quirky little socks that they have that have come out now um, definitely can be incorporated. Um, and then even the pockets where I've, I've had where they've said this was my grandpa's, um, you know, or dad's and stuff of that nature. Um, and so that's what we see the most. Yeah, I would say uh, same, same type of thing. Um, I, first place that I go is just thinking about what I did at my wedding. Um, we uh, got married in Milwaukee, but I'm from Kansas and wife is from San Diego. Um, so we uh, grabbed some, uh, some of the wheat grain from the uh, family farm and had um, her parents go grab some uh, sand from one of the beaches. And so instead of doing like a typical colored sand uh, thing, we poured wheat grain and uh, sand together to just basically give a nod to, you know, neither one of us are from here, but, um, you know, we could, could still uh, bring our own kind of heritage in. So I, I would just uh, maybe expand it a little bit to that, but I think everything you mentioned is, is pretty spot on and uh, things that I've seen before. Yeah. Yeah. And definitely, you know, like I said, the, the bride's bouquet and the jewelry are probably most often. Um, and I think it's a, it's a great way because not only are you going to remember them on the day, but when you look back at all of your pictures, um, you know, those little sentimentals um, will be in the, all of your pictures as well. Yep, absolutely. And just think about any kind of, you know, traditions that you can do that are maybe unique. Um, you know, one other thing I'll throw out in Kansas, there's a very specific way, uh, especially in Western Kansas, that wedding dances get started. You do the whole like March thing that I can't even begin to think about uh, describing here. But, uh, you know, we did that at our wedding. Um, all, all the different cousins, you know, across the country have done that. I've, you know, led this whole uh, thing at uh, friends' weddings to to just give a nod to you know how we how we did stuff back in Hayes, Kansas. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and it's fun. So anyway, yes. um, so the third thing uh, had unique musical choices during the ceremony. Um, this is forty three percent. I'm gonna actually kind of <laughs> bring this one up here first, just based on the amount of time I spend talking about music from a DJ standpoint, um, definitely alluded to that during the um, episode that I mentioned uh, 47, where you're talking about personalizing music. I think this is a pretty, pretty typical thing. I'll just repeat uh, as quickly as I can. Some of the advice that I had there, when you're thinking about the song that the bride walks up the aisle to, and then the recessional at the end during the ceremony um, also throw in the first dance there, look at doing, things that um, are going to be timeless for bride walking up the aisle and first dance. But then when you're doing your recessional and thinking about walking into the reception with your wedding party, pick a song that just puts you in a happy mood and, and is fun and look at it from a pick a genre that's within your personality. Um, but background cocktail and dinner music, and then also the prelude music before the ceremony, that's where I think is the best place to personalize the music. And pick uh pick genres that you like if you like uh you know good indie alternative rock that stuff plays really well for there but you're never going to dance to it 
Um, you can also find nice covers of uh, typical uh, popular songs that are made by artists like that or made by piano players and, you know, pick a, pick interesting versions of songs, but make sure that the song itself is something that's going to be timeless for you. That's uh, really what I would say about personalizing music. And I, I think 43% seems really low because you pick all that music. So you're kind of inherently personalizing your wedding based on that. Yeah, I would definitely agree with that. Um, and back in the day, again, you know, I started almost 20 years ago, Canon and D, Ava Maria, the wedding march, like everybody walked into that music. I feel like that was on repeat um, for every wedding. And now I can't, I mean, I hear Canon and D pretty regularly, but I don't have a lot of brides walk into the wedding march. Um, and so it's definitely where they are, you know, trying to come up with more upbeat fun. There's a lot more modern music. Um, you know, this is definitely something that, again, when it when you think about, like you said, the prelude, um, you're not as a couple going to actually hear that. I mean, depending on where your venue is, you might hear it through the walls kind of thing. Um, but it's definitely, you know, think about the people listening to it, you know, so if your your genre of music's, you know, heavy rock, like don't play that there. They don't want to listen to that kind of thing. Um, and I think depending on where you're at, you know, I find that obviously more of my church ceremonies are going more traditional, where some of the outdoor weddings are thinking outside the box. And that's where I see more of that personalization. Um, I was just watching a wedding video um, the other day and all of their prelude music was really upbeat country songs. And I was like, wow, like this is really like jamming out before the ceremony. I was loving it. Um, and so, yeah, definitely if you have um, personality um, that you want to shine through, through your music, then take more time and kind of figuring out what that genre looks like, what the artists are, or picking out every song. Um, one thing that I'm seeing more in the, you know, choices for the ceremony is that more people are getting their families involved. And so they're musically inclined family members that are, you know, playing instruments before the ceremony, or my cousin is a great singer. And so she's going to sing. And I've even had my bride and my grooms sing to each other. Um, I had a bride literally sing as she was walking down the aisle. And I'm like, man, that's a lot of pressure to put on you. I would be way too nervous for that. I can't sing a note to save my life. So that would not be me. Um, but I find that, that um, that's really unique and fun to have those people have a special, you know, part of your day. Um, and definitely if you have those musically inclined people, like why not ask them and see what you can come up with? Yeah, I totally agree. I've, I've seen all the things that you mentioned. I had one couple where we mic'd them and they walked up um, and they sang to each other during the, the bride's processional. And uh, yeah, that was uh, that was uh, an, an interesting uh, production point to follow. But yeah, totally agree. If you have musicians in your family that can play your uh, processional song, I think that's always awesome. Um, even if it's just a song in the, the middle of the ceremony during uh, sand court tying any of those. Um, anything else about music? Nope, I think that's it. I definitely think that's one thing, like spend some time on if you are definitely wanting to personalize it. Perfect. Okay. Uh, this next one, it's have a theme for the wedding. And uh, I, I think this one here, um, I, I, I'm really curious to hear what your thoughts are on this. Because the first thing that I look at when I when I see that is uh, you're kind of walking a fine line between doing um, something that's very Pinteresty and doing something that's very kitschy that could uh, come off as, as very corny. So uh, what are your thoughts <laughs> on themes? 
Themes are difficult sometimes. I have seen some very, very quirky themes that are definitely matching their personality. And I say, you know, go for it if that's what you want to do. Um, but definitely, I, I think where people like I literally on my, you know, kind of questionnaire to my couples, I ask this, like, do you have a theme? And often I get kind of like color schemes put there. I get your traditional, you know, boho, rustic, modern, simple, you know, those kind of things. But in all reality, like when I think about a theme, like I think those are more colors and kind of, I don't know if I'm thinking of the word genre again, because we just talked about music, but I personally, those are themes in a sense, but those are more like just gravitating towards your decor and not necessarily your overall day and the other aspects that you will pull into your day. And so when I think really themes, I think about those that have really thought outside the box or want to incorporate it in more than just their decor or their color scheme. Um, and so that would be, I have one coming up here towards the end of the year. No, it would be next, early next year. Um, it's Viking theme. Um, and they are, I can never remember the word. Um, I don't know, even like sort of like Viking witchcraft together kind of thing. And so like their attire will be like this, their cake will be associated, their music will be associated, their ceremony words and everything. Like they are going all out um, in, in this theme. Other ones that I've had that are more, I would say on the, the quirkier side, I've had Dr. Seuss, which again, like their vows were Dr. Seuss themed, their cake was Dr. Seuss. We added, we had truffle, you know, the truffle, I think is what they're called, trees as their centerpieces. Um, you know, and again, they really went all out on it. Um, I have one coming up here in September that she really loves gnomes, like garden gnomes and live plants that describes her, like everybody knows her about that. And so all of her centerpieces will have some sort of like gnome associated with it. We're doing live plants as her centerpieces. Um, but that's really all, you know, again, it's just kind of coming down into the plants. I do think maybe they're cake toppers, gnomes as well. But the other themes that we see is when those people really want to play on the holiday theme. And so we see a decent amount of Halloween weddings where they want everybody to come in, you know, costumes. And they have a little bit more on the quirky side um, of, of their, you know, bride and groom attire. Um, we see, you know, the Christmas theme and the New Year's Eve theme kind of come through where they're really, again, playing on the decor, but also their music choices. Um, you find a lot of the New Year's Eve kind of go back to the, you know, 1920s kind of, um, you know, music and really kind of Gatsby type style. Um, and so those are fun. I would really love to do a Mardi Gras themed wedding. I think that would be super fun. Um, theme, theme parties are definitely, that. those are my jam. Um, and they definitely help me pick out my outfits way better. So um, those, are, those are fun. But I think it's something that you can bring in as little or as much to you know, showcase that theme. But I think it is one of the easiest ways to personalize your wedding. Yep, I agree. I mean, I've seen uh, some more what I'll say a little understated based on um, decor. Uh, so there, there was one in particular where the uh, couple had, had traveled a pretty substantial amount. And so they had every single table was based on one of their favorite destinations. And so that's the way they did their centerpieces. That's the way they laid out their uh, seating chart when, when people were walking in. Um, but I, I'm a big believer. I mean, I've definitely seen the Halloween thing. I'm a big believer that if you're going to do it, like go hard and and do it proper. 
uh, probably the best version of something like that that I've ever been a part of. Uh, had one couple that did full on Disney theme. And so they were Cinderella and, and Prince Charming. And every single one of their uh, wedding party pairings was uh, it was like Beauty and the Beast and Belle. It was um, or Beast and Belle. It was uh, Aladdin and Jasmine. And they did a great job. And then after the uh, grand entrance, uh, the lady who was uh, I think it was the bride's mom did the fairy godmother bibbidi bobbidi boo put a crown on all the ladies heads and stuff so I mean they they really went for it they did everything from a decor standpoint they they literally put a show on and it was exactly what they're looking for so um that that's I guess my thought is that if you're gonna do it let's uh let's do this and um you know generally speaking as a as a vendor it's a blast to be part of things like that i've never gotten to do a star wars theme wedding uh, i think it would be a dream to do a may 4th wedding and and have star wars as a theme and i will uh wear whatever you want me to <laughs> yes yeah we've definitely photographed a few of those i haven't been as a coordinator as part of one of those um but yeah seeing the pictures it's a lot of fun um and and i agree i think if you're gonna do a theme it's one of those things like you gotta you gotta do it right for it to not seem like you you know, kind of just half-ass put a crazy, you know, cake topper on it to match a theme. And so um, really encourage you to to kind of go all out if you truly want to bring in that theme. Otherwise, you're just, in a sense, don't call it a theme. You're just, I'm going to bring in a few elements that describe my personality or things that we really like um, and not necessarily theming the whole wedding. Yep. All right. Let's, uh, let's talk about the these uh, last two. Um, so it's eco-friendly, sustainable options, and then locally sourced products. Um, I'm going to kind of lump those together because I think they fit into uh, one one theme. And again, there's quite a bit that you can get into with these. So what are your thoughts on those two? Yeah. So eco-friendly, we often see where couples are doing um plants that can go home with the the guests as in a sense favors. I literally have a plant on my desk from a wedding, I believe it's four years ago, four or five years ago, that's still alive. Still alive. I tell them their love fern is still going, so they can't break up. Um, but we we see, um, I have succulents actually at this wedding. The, the favors are succulents that people can take home instead of doing a box of candy that I often throw away as the wedding coordinator at the end of the night. Um, we also find that, you know, more people are thinking about doing some silk or wood flowers or no flowers at all because there is a lot of waste involved afterwards with those flowers. Um, or they're finding ways to try to, up, you know, upcycle them by, you know, donating them to a nursing home of some sorts. Um, we have a few of our venues that uh, put out recycling receptacles and even some of our um, venues that don't have that, some of the clients have brought in those. Um, I think you have to have very clear markings and understanding and the venue staff and your, um, you know, coordinators and stuff like that need to know the plan um, because I often see that people try to do that. And then at the end of the night, they realize they have a trash can full of cans and trash and it's hard to sort through that. And I know that's not something I'm adding to my, my job duties. Um, and so just making sure you clearly mark um, those things. Um, I have had a lot of our venues go with, you know, only biodegradable items can be thrown at the ceremonies and stuff like that. And so there's, you know, not the the use of silk petals anymore. There's not, um, you know, the, the confetti all has to be biodegradable. And so that they are, you know, preserving their area and earth um, there. 
And that would go through, I've seen um, a couple of the caterers switch to the biodegradable plates and stuff of that nature, um, or couples are choosing to use real glassware and plates so that they don't have as much trash um, as part of that. And so that's how I would say the more eco-friendly um, that we see around here. Yeah, I would echo that. Um, you know, the first place my head goes on this is uh, you, you got to eliminate waste as much as possible. And so a big part of that, um, I was definitely going to bring up the biodegradable plates and silverware. So the the thing about those and why I would say that um, those are a good idea, but um, those are actually made to compost. And so you talked about having trash and also recycling. You should really have a third trash can for compost if you're going to be doing something like that to do it correctly. Um, so I, I think a lot of it is just uh, the best way that you can have the least amount of waste is don't have plastic anything if you can help it. So have actual real dishes, have real glasses, have real silverware. So that way you can actually you know, reuse it. Because if you think about reduce, reuse, recycle, um, keep in mind, recycle is actually the third one of those on there. Um, you're you're not really doing that correctly if you don't try to reduce the number of waste items that you have and reuse everything that you possibly can. So I'm a big believer in actual, you know, silverware and, and plates and glasses. Um, but then more than anything, just make sure that you're actually cleaning everything up. Um, I definitely think that uh, things like artificial flowers, um, you know, have a have a spot where you can use that as also a cost saving method. But at the same time, is that really, you know, a better situation than just having the petals like you mentioned that actually can just be thrown on the ground and you can clean them up, but it's still a biodegradable option and it's natural habitat where it's going to be able to go back into the soil immediately. So, uh, but just think of things like that. And, uh, you know, one of the things you, you touched on is the, uh, favors. Um, if you're doing a favor for the sake of doing a favor and you know that most of them are going to get thrown away, um, you, you've really done the exact opposite of what this uh, trend is. So, um, just think about the, the choices that you make and how, um, you know, that's gonna, gonna work. The other, the last one that we had on there was locally sourced products. Uh, to me that immediately, you know, I think of food and to do that, it's all about picking the cater and, you know, trying to be as farm to table as possible. So uh, all these things are uh, really good trends. They're probably also about the heaviest lifting that you can possibly do. And you got to put a lot of thought into it. And I think that's really the biggest uh, takeaway that I have on all of these. If, if you decide to do any of these trends um, in particular, the first one where you're talking about remembering you know, people or, or animals or things of that nature. And then also doing the uh, sustainability thing, just make sure that you have a lot of active conversations about these things and don't expect that it's just going to come together. Yeah. And the one thing I would add on the local source is I don't always see it as local as in the city where my couples are getting married. Um, I have a lot of out of town couples. And so they will bring vendors from their hometown um, to support those hometown, um, you know, businesses, which I think is a very nice thing. Do know that it is not always feasible for a florist to drive flowers four hours in the dead heat of July, or for a caterer to drive food, you know, over two hours and expect it to, you know, still hold up in the hot boxes and be amazing. And so when you do that, do think through that. Um, but I think it is a nice gesture to do that. And we do, I see a lot of people that either, again, bring something, um, and we see this a lot for favors, um, as well as like snack bars, where they're bringing something from their hometown to their venue or something locally that all of their out-of-town guests wouldn't necessarily get unless they were at their wedding. And so 
that is a great option to um, help promote those locally um, local vendors um, and allow your guests to kind of have you know a taste of your home or their home depending on where you're bringing those in from yeah absolutely cool all right well anything else in uh, some of these top trends that we're uh, going through this uh, wedding year no, I would say just, uh, again, make your wedding day unique by making it your own. Uh, try not to do the whole cookie cutter thing, but don't don't be afraid to mimic what other people have done, especially if you love the idea um, and it's simple and easy for you to recreate. Like it doesn't mean that you shouldn't. A lot of people, um, you know, copy others on everything that they do in their lives. And so your wedding day is probably no different. Um, and if you want to think outside the box, box, just make sure that it is actually feasible in all aspects of your day and put some thought through it. Yep. And that's, uh, really the parting piece that I was, I was going to say any of the things you do from a personality standpoint, it's supposed to be an enjoyable experience. And the second this turns into a heavy lift and, and something you don't look forward to maybe rethink if it's something that you really want to be doing, you know, it's supposed to be fun. Yes. Cool. All right. Well, that'll do it for this uh, topic. And until next time, take care. Cheers and happy wedding planning. We hope you enjoyed this episode and that you got some helpful insight as you plan the big day. So until next time, I'm Tara with the Complete Wedding Planning Podcast. And I'm Josh. Please make sure to subscribe to our channel and rate and review us if you like what you hear. We are presented by Complete Weddings and Events, your leading provider of photo, video, DJ, photo booth, lighting, and coordination services. Visit completewedo.com for more info. Happy wedding planning!